Lord, we come before you and we just ask that you help us to understand and see what you'd have us to see from this study of Nehemiah and the information that you've given us. And we'll see how it is applicable to us. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Nehemiah chapter 3. Then Eliashib, the high priest, arose with his brethren, the priest, and they built the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors on, even unto the tower of Meha. They sanctified it unto the tower of Hananiah-el. And if you want to look at the map, the, the priests are starting right straight up above the temple at the sheep gate. And we're going to go counterclockwise around Jerusalem on this, on this chapter as they start, start talking about what they're covering. So, oh, yeah, they're going counterclockwise. Yeah. And next to him built the men of Jericho, and next to them built Zakur, the son of Imri. But the fish gate did the sons of Hasinah build, who also laid out the beams thereof, and set up the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. So our gates are starting to be built. You know, if we remember, we talked last week how he did his tour and saw that the gates weren't there and the walls weren't there. So now the people are building. He's encouraged, and it started with the priest. Uh, you know, the priest uh, were the ones that started all of all of this. So they're they're being the leaders they're supposed to be. How do you figure they consecrated these things? He says they they poured oil on it and prayed over it. That's what I thought. Yep. That's uh, that's what the they blessing. did for sanctifying, the blessing, blessing it, consecrating it. Well, especially on the sheep gate because that is where the sheep came in because it's the one closest to the temple. Oh, that's important. So it's a very important one to the to the priest, which is why they're doing that gate. And next to them, in verse 4, next to them repaired Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Goz. And next to them repaired Meshulam and the sons of Berechiah, the sons of Meshezabel. And next unto them repaired Zadok, and the son of Baanah. And next to them the Tegonites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of the Lord. So we're going to stop there for just a moment, because here's the first one where it says that there's somebody not working. <laughs> and, uh, and it happens to be their leaders. So the leaders of this, this group of people were the ones that kind of, they were doing the work, but their leaders weren't willing to get involved. Uh, for whatever reason, in this case, it might be too much pride. You know, I'm I'm in charge. I'm I'm not supposed to go out and work. Was probably what was happening here. Uh, but this is the first place where we see uh, somebody saying that they're not really working hard. And this is over on the western side of the north northwestern side of the wall that is not being worked on as hard by leaders. Verse six. Moreover, the gate repaired. Jehoiada, the son of Pezerah, and Meshulam, the son of Bezudai, and they laid the beams thereof, and they set the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. So here we are, we're down to the Mish, Mishnah gate, and next to them repaired Me'etiah, and the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Memorahathite and the men of Gibeon and the, and the Mizpah unto the throne of the governors on this side of the river. Next to him repaired Uzael, the son of Harahiah, of the goldsmiths. Next to him also repaired 
Hananiah, the son of one of the apothecaries, and they fortified Jerusalem unto the broad wall. And it's interesting how they name different jobs that they have, the goldsmiths and the, the apothecaries or the druggists. Verse 9, And next to them repaired Rethiah, the son of Hur, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem. And next to them repaired Jedidiah, the son of Harumaph, even over against the house. And next to him repaired Hattush, the son of Hashabniah, Malkiah, the son of Harim, and Hashab, the son of Pathath Moab, repaired the other piece in the tower of the furnaces. So we're already getting down to here where it says the tower of the furnaces. We're down to the western, midwestern part of the, the, the city is having their gate covered at this point. And next to him was... I like 10. And don't forget to fix the front of my house. <laughs> Repair uh, the front of his house in 10. 10. Verse 10. Made repairs in the front of his house. Over against his house. Oh, he, in other words, he lived in that area. I see. So, so that area in front of his yeah, house. Yeah, he, he took the area in front of his house. Oh, I see. I thought maybe he had him while you're there... Do some work on my house. No, it was his. He was doing the. He lived near that part of the part of that wall. By the front of his house. I right. Have to, I have to ask stupid questions. No, it's okay. And next to him repaired Shilam, the son of Haohesh, the ruler of a half of the half part of Jerusalem. He and his daughters. So here we got daughters doing the, doing work on the on the wall. And the valley gate repaired Hanam and the inhabitants of Zonoa. They built it and set up the doors therein, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. So now we've got the valley gate, which if you remember, the valley gate is the one that he went, that Nehemiah went out that first time to, to examine. So that's in the south, southwest portion of the, of the city. And the valley gate repaired Hanam and his inhabitants of Noah, and they built it and set the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof, and a thousand cubits of the wall unto the dung gate, which is the one in the southwest, uh, southeast corner. But the dung gate repaired Malchiah, the son of Rechab, the ruler of part of Beth-Hekerem, and he built it and set up the doors thereof and the locks thereof and the bars thereof. So you see in this description of the wall, doors, when they build the doors, they build the, they, around, they build the frame, they put the locks in and the bars and, and everything. It's a big job to make a gate, okay, because it's not just laying rocks on top of each other and, and, and uh, mortaring them in. So it's a big job to make the gates. But the gate of the fountain repaired Shalom, the son of Kohozeh, the ruler of part of Mizpah, he built it and covered it and set up the doors thereof and the locks thereof and the bars thereof and the wall of the pool of Shalom by the king's garden and to the stairs that go down into the city of David. So he's, he's doing a large chunk of, the, of that uh, wall. And he repaired, and he, after him repaired Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, the ruler of the half part of Bethzur, unto the palace over against the sepulchres of David, and unto the pool that was made unto him in the house of the mighty. After him repaired the Levites, Rehem the son of Bani. Next to him repaired Hashabiah, the, the ruler of a half part of Kilah in his part. And after him repaired the brethren of Bavarai, the son of Hinadad, the ruler of the half part of Kilah. And next to him repaired Ezer, the son of Yeshua, 
the ruler of Mizpah, another piece over against the going up into the armory at the turning of the wall. So here we are, we're still at the turning of the wall. You can see the turning of the wall on the map. After him was Baruch, the son of Zabiah, earnestly repaired on the east side of it. From the turning of the wall to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest, and after him repaired Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Guz, another piece from the door to the house of Elishib, even to the end of the house of Elishib. And after him repaired the priest and the men of the plain. And after him repaired Benjamin and Hushab over against their house. And again, over against their house means that they lived right by the wall and they're doing, doing their section. And after him repaired Azariah, the son of Mahashiah, the son of Ananiah by, by his house. And after him repaired Benui, the son of Henadad, another piece from the house of Azariah unto the turning of the wall, even unto the corner. Bilal, the son of Uzziah, over against the turning of the wall and the tower which lies from the king's house that was by the court of the prison. After him was Bediah, the son of Peros, and we look at this uh, gate of the turning and you were in the and the and the Ofa Tower is where we're at right now on the map. Moreover, the Nephilim Nims dwelt in Ophel unto the place over against the water gate unto the east and to the tower that lieth out. After them, the Tekoites repaired another piece over against the great tower that lieth out even unto the wall of Ophel. And above the horse gate repaired the priest, every one against his house. After them repaired Zadok, the son of Immer, over against his house, and after him repaired Shemaiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, and after him repaired Hananiah, the son of Shemaiah, and Hanau, the sixth son of Zephlah, another piece, after him repaired Meshulam, the, the son of Berkiah, over against his chamber, after him repaired Mehekai, the goldsmith's son, unto the place of the Nephilims, and of, and of the merchants over against the gate of Mithdak, Cad and to the going up of the corner and between the going up of the corner and the sheep gate repaired the goldsmiths and the merchants. And this is a long set and but God's showing that everybody was taking part of this job. And many of them took and built the gate that was built the part of the wall closest to their home so that they had and this was a wise thing for for Nehemiah to do because you want to you know you have great desire to protect your home so when he says okay you're going to protect you're going to build the wall that's straight across from your house they were very motivated to build that wall it's not like okay you're going to go build the wall as far away from your house as possible and you really don't care about this you're building the wall nearest to where you live and it's very wise of him, and it and it gives them the the great desire to work. They're in, they're encouraged to work, and there's this this want to work that's going to be part of this. And each family did a part of it that that applied to them, and they worked with great fervor on this wall. And they and it's a long list of all the people on how they were to how to work, and it was the heads of the families that that are listed. And now we're going to go into chapter 4, which covered chapter 3 faster than I've covered any chapter in my life probably. But there's not a whole lot there, each person covering their own, their own family. 
All right, chapter 4, verse 1. But it came to pass that when Samballot heard that we built the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish which were, are burnt? And Tobiah the Amorite was with him, and he said, Even that which they built, if a fox go up on it, he shall even break down their stones. So we're going to look. This is the, some of the mocking that they're getting from their enemy. Uh, Samballot, who we've already noted, he's, he's in opposition to this wall. He wasn't happy when, if you remember in chapter 2, he wasn't happy that somebody was coming from Jerusalem that cared for Jerusalem, even though the king's order said to do this. And he's going, you know, and he's got three points, uh, four points in his statement in verse 2. What are these feeble Jews doing? Okay, first off, he has no respect for the Jews. They're, he's calling them feeble, weak. Uh, they have no, no, no strength. And it says, will they fortify or repair um, themselves? Okay, so are, you know, do they really think they're going to repair this wall type deal? And he goes, and will they sacrifice? You know, are they going to go back to the sacrificing you know, to their God? So he's got two worries. Number one, that they're going to build themselves up militarily, and they're going to honor their God and, and be blessed by their God. He, already, he knows their past. He knows their reputation from the past and how strong they used to be and that how mighty. Samballot. Samballot. Okay, and then he says, and will he make an end in a day? You know, how quickly are they going to get this thing done? You know, we'll be able to take them out at some point because they're, they're, get, they're going to get tired after a while because it's, building a wall is not an easy task. And he says, will they revive or make alive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish or the, de the debris which are burnt? Okay, he's looking around. He sees all the rocks that have been burnt and destroyed and and broken, and he said, are they going to build a tower out of, you know, are they going to build the wall out of this mess? And we're going to see them later on say basically the same thing, you know, hey, we got a big mess here. And Tobiah, the Amorite, was with him, and he says, even that which they build, if a fox go up with it, he'll break it down. So he's saying, you know, hey, what do they know about masonry? You know, a little tiny fox is going to knock that thing down. So he's, they're making fun of them, and they're, and they're taunting them, and they're and they're saying, you know, this is, this is not anything to worry about. You know, this, you know they, they can't even make a good wall. And we've all probably seen different wall, stone walls, some that are made well, some that are, you know, look like they'd fall apart if they're even touched. And, and that's what Tobiah is saying, you know, hey, you know, they, what do they know about building a wall? It's going to fall down. <laughs> and um, so we go into verse 4, which is now Nehemiah's response. Hear, O God, our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own heads, and give them for a prey to the land of captivity, and cover not their iniquity, and let not their sins be blotted out from before for you, for they have provoked you unto anger before the builders. Okay, so his prayer is simple. God, <laughs> listen to what they're saying. <laughs> Okay, and we've listened to this. We've we've talked about this so often. God is to be our defender, and Nehemiah is going to God and saying, "God, uh, by the way, listen to what they're saying. You're the one that's being attacked out of the, ultimately. You know, they're making fun of us, but you are the one that told us to do this. You're the one that gave us the commandment to do this. They're making fun of you." 
and it says, you know, turn their reproach, turn their taunting back upon them upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And this literally means to be a spoil or a booty. You know, you know let them be destroyed. Basically, is what Nehemiah is saying, and he's saying, God, you do it, and. Then he goes on even further. Cover not their iniquities. Don't, don't forgive them. Don't, don't hide their iniquities, God. They, they are despised. They, you are the one that needs to be defending us. And let not their sins be blotted out from before you. Don't let them be covered by, by forgiveness. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Okay, God, they're provoking you to anger. And the last person you want to anger is God. <laughs> And so we have this, this prayer from, from Nehemiah saying, God, basically he's saying, God, you're, you're our defender. You're going you're gonna to protect us, and we're just going to trust in you. We're just going to trust in you and just let you defend. And we've said this over and over. I see this over and over. We need to let God be our defender. We don't need to get in the midst of trying to struggle and strive and, and push and, and attack people. Because God will defend. He will protect us when we allow him. Now, if we want, and I've said it over and over, if we want to defend ourselves, he'll let us defend ourselves. And he'll say, okay, are you done defending yourself? Are you, are you done trying to protect yourself? And I've said oftentimes, you know, when I've tried to defend myself, I make a big mess of it most of the time. And it's best to just let God be the one that defends. Verse 7, But it came to pass that when Sambalad and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Amorites and the Ashdodites heard that the wall of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Okay, so their taunting hasn't stopped the people because they were hoping that people would listen to their taunts and get discouraged and stop working. But they're seeing the, the wall go up. Okay, they're seeing the gates being, being fixed. They're seeing all this stuff happening. And they're seeing the big holes in the wall starting to be covered. The breaches, the holes in the wall are being, being repaired. And there's, there's walls now going all over this place. And it made them angry. <laughs> and not only angry, but very angry. And this, this anger that it's talking about is to become hot, to become furious. Okay, it's not just being angry. This is, they were getting red-faced and really angry that, that Jerusalem was being rebuilt. And this is motivated most likely through satanic influence that Satan does not want Jerusalem built. He does not want to see God's people protected. He wants them to be weak and, and to be subject to attacks. And, and we see it even in our day where the world is trying to say, well, you know, Israel must give up land for peace, you know, and that's how they're wanting to do this. And, and if they do that, then, and they want to split Jerusalem up, which is the, and the Jews don't want that because Jerusalem is their capital as far as they're concerned. Even though they use Tel Aviv, they, they really want it to be Jerusalem. And Satan is still to this day saying, let's make them as weak as we can so that they're a target. And this is where we're on. And it says they conspired to come together and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. And if we remember back in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 7 through 8, the commandment of the king is that they build this wall. 
So Sambalat and Tobiah and all the Arabians, everybody on the Transjordan area are, are coming, are rebelling against the king in reality to go against the Jews. So this is going to be a big deal. They're, they're being pretty bold because they're basically saying the king's so far away, we don't care. We're going to attack Jerusalem and keep them from building this building because this is going to hurt them. This is the Samaritan area that's going to be from this point forward looked at, looked down on. And you remember that Jesus in his day, the Samaria was part of, part of it and the Jews did not go through Samaria because they were half-breeds. They didn't worship God the way they were supposed to. They had, the Jews that had been left over had been mixed blood with the, with the people that got, promoted, got moved into there. And the Jews looked at them as half-breed Mongols that didn't deserve anything. And this is all the way back to here where they're keeping them from doing anything. All right, and this is what's coming up. They're, they're getting ready to fight against them. Verse 9, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. And Judah said, The strength of the bearers of the burden is decayed, and there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall. All right, so there's starting to be some grumbling already even in, inside Jerusalem because now, part, you know, now they can't just all be working like, they wanted, like he wanted them to. Some of them have to be guarding. And if you're guarding, you're not working. And if you're staying up all night, you're not working during the daytime because you can't stay up all the time. So they're having to put a guard, somebody stationed there to look for an enemy attack. And then the, the complaint is that, you know, hey, we're getting pretty tired out. We're, we're, we're getting so tired that we're stumbling because there is much rubbish. And that is the rocks and everything that are too small to be used for the for the walls and there's all this garbage and you've got to think and when the walls were tumbled down the first time a lot of those rocks broke and were not usable so now you've got all this rubbish that has to be removed so you got to get rid of the rubbish and build the wall and there's a lot of work involved in this and uh, you know you got to picture this God God has always had that his people have to do some work man was created to work Adam and Eve were created to work their, their job was to tend the garden, and I've always said I don't know how much work it was to tend a perfect garden, but their job was to tend the garden. I don't know if that meant to plant more, more seeds and make things grow, to, to, to harvest the food so that they could eat. You know, who knows what tending meant to, in a perfect garden, but we were created for work. And here we're saying people get to work, get doing what needs to be done. God has never intended for his people to just sit down and let others work while they take the benefit. And that happens quite often in churches where people, a handful of people do all the work of the church, the teaching, the, the, the work around the church, and the rest just kind of sit back and say, well, I'm just, enjoying, you know, I'm just enjoying the benefits of all these people who are doing the work. God has never meant that to be the case. He always wants to see people serving because that's what he desires for us. He desires us to work for him. And that means going out, giving the gospel to people. It means going out and sharing, sharing his word, telling people our testimony, helping around the church and, and whatever needs to be done. Uh, and, and I've said it over and over. If you're sitting in a, in, a, in, a, in a pew or a seat and you're not doing something for God, you're not doing what he's asked you to do. Every person in the church has something God has asked them to do. And it might be as simple as being a, being a true prayer warrior. And many people who say they're prayer warriors are not. You know, because they don't spend any time in prayer. 
others are very truly prayer warriors. You, you, their prayers get answered. Things happen when they, when they get down on their knees and pray before God. And many people say they pray and don't. But we look at this in the verse 11. And our adversary said, They shall not know, neither see, till we come into the midst among them and slay them and, and cause their work to cease. So the enemies were saying, we're going to sneak in. They're not even going to see us, and, and we're going to kill people without them knowing we're here. Okay, and they just said we put a guard on there, and now they're saying that and we don't care about their guard. Their, their guard sleeps or whatever. They're not going to see us as we sneak in and, and make, the, make the kill. And this is something that happens a lot of times with Christians where we slumber and sleep and, and not stay prepared for the battle. And the adversary comes in and strikes us before we even are aware that he's there because we forget that we're in battle. The enemy at the gate. The enemy's at the gate. The enemy... And, and the guy was falling asleep. And that uh, was... He missed the guy uh, sneaking in. Right. And that makes them very they much... They, could, uh, they thought they could do that. They thought they could they're thinking that. they're going to sneak in and out and, and not have a problem. And verse 12, And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all the places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Therefore I set in the lower places of the behind the wall, and on the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked and arose up and said to the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brother and your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us that God and, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone to his work. So we're going to look at this section here. He says, the people who, the Jews that weren't in Jerusalem that were living amongst them were hearing these rumors of the attacks. So they went and they told Nehemiah they're planning to attack. <laughs> um, which kind of put them in a dangerous place, but they were being being good good citizens of their of their country, and they're going, hey, you know, uh, we've heard we've heard these rumors. They're going to attack, and then so Jeremiah and Nehemiah said, okay, fine, and he put he he set in the lower places of the easy places from the wall. He put in defenders, and he put some people in the high places and the high places so they could be the watchmen, saying, hey, it's got, you know this is where where things are happening. They're coming. And then he went in and he told the nobles and the rulers, you know, he encouraged them. And I love this. It says, be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. So he's saying, God knows. God, you know, and he's reminding them of how God has protected the Jews over time. And he says, he's calling into remembrance. Remember when. Remember when God took us, delivered us out of Egypt. Deliver, remember how Joseph you know, protected us. Remember the crossing of the Red Sea. You know, and he's going through all, you know, he would go through all these areas to say, remember what God has done in our past to keep us. Yes, we were put into slavery, but we, you know, into, into captivity, but we deserved it because we disobeyed. But now he's bringing us back. And he says, remember. And then he goes even more and he goes, and remember what you're fighting for. You're fighting for your brothers, your sisters, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. And goes. And when you're defending your own property and your own family, that gives you a fanaticism that's involved. Because you're not just going, okay, well, we're sending you to, you know, 100 miles from here to go fight. You know, you have no desire to fight 100 miles from home. But when, you're, when your home is in trouble, 
there's this desire to stand up and defend, a desire to fight with for all your worth. And, and Nehemiah is, you know, telling them, get get ready. You know, you're, you're defending your family. You're defending your homes. Verse 15, And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us that our God had brought their counsels to naught, and we all returned us to the wall, everyone to, and to his work. And then the enemies heard that they were prepared. <laughs> and I love this, that it, that it brought everything to naught. Their, their, their plans were frustrated. Okay? And so their plans were frustrated. They, they ceased what they wanted to do, and everybody was able to go back to working on the walls instead of defending the walls. And it came to pass from that time forth that half of my servants worked in the work and the other half of them held both their spears and their shields and their bows and their harbingers, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. So he's saying from that time on, only half the people are really working, the other half are on guard, and that half that are on guard are holding the weapons so that if there's an attack, they have the weapons and they immediately give the weapons to the people that are working. And so he's getting half the work done, but he's also being protected. And it says, you know, that he has the spears, the, the shields, the bows, and the habergens, which are the, the, the male, male armor that goes over as a, like a shirt down to about the, the just barely covering it at the start of the thighs. So that's what a habergen is. And the rulers were behind it. Verse 17, they which built on the wall and they which bear the burdens which those who laded, every one of them with his hands wrought the work in the work with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded his side and so built. And he that was sounded the trumpet was by me. So here he is, everybody working has a sword <laughs> ready to go. They're, they're ready to fight at a moment's notice, even though they're working. And then there's the other half that are actually carrying the, the good weapons, the, the weapons that will keep them from getting to the wall in the first place, the, the arrows, the spears, the shields that they're going to need. But if you were attacked, you, you had your sword right there. They were prepared. And this goes to how we're supposed to be prepared always for the attacks of the enemy. And this is where Paul tells us in Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God. Be ready to battle and talked many times about how when most soldiers get hurt when they forget that they're in battle and they take their helmet off for a moment or they light that cigarette in the middle of the night that says this is where I'm at and they get get a sniper taking them out Satan is waiting for that moment of time when we aren't prepared that we forget we're in a battle and he comes in with his his weaponry aimed at us to attack and when we come to services and Bible studies, we need to come prepared to hear. We need to be prayed up and say, God, you know, forgive my sins, you know, and confess the sins that we know of and, be and ask him to uh, prepare our ears to hear. Because it is very possible to sit in a message or, or a class or anything and not hear and not remember because we're, we don't have our hearts prepared to hear. And here the people were prepared. They were ready for battle. They knew they were in a battle zone. They knew that they could be attacked at any time. And they were prepared for the battle. And Nehemiah had the trumpeter near him all the time so that he could be able to give the alarm. In verse 19, And I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and the rest of the people, The work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall one far from another, 
In what place wherefore ye hear the sound of the trumpet, resort you thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So he's saying to them, okay, we're spread out. Because there's a limited number of people, and they're all around the, around the city building this wall. And don't know how many people were there, you know, exactly, but, you know, no matter how many there are, they're, they're going to be spread out. They're all, they're working on the wall on all sides of the city at any one time. And he says, okay, if we get attacked on the west, I'm going to sound the trumpet over there, and I want everybody to come to the west and help defend. Okay, and then so, and if it sounds on the east or the south or the north, he says, wherever you hear the trumpet, go there immediately. You know, because we need your help. We'll fight off the enemy. And so, again, working together. And it's wonderful that when God's people work together, great things get accomplished. And when his people are fighting each other and trying to keep from working together, there's going to be issues and problems. And it's sometimes very hard to get churches to work together because everybody's always worried about who's going to get the credit, who's going to get the reward you know, for having done whatever. And really, it doesn't matter. God's got more than enough to give everybody credit who needs credit or deserves credit or reward. He's, he's not stingy with it. And, but so often, there's this hard time to get churches to work together. And God is saying, come together, work together. You're all one body in Christ. And we've got to remember that always, that it's one. It's not multiple groups out there. And he says, when you hear the trumpet, when you hear the trumpet, go forward. And Christians need to be able to do that too. Verse 21, so we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. So half were, half were on guard the whole day. Rising in the morning all the way to, to when the stars appear. It gets dark from dawn to, dawn to, uh, to uh, dusk. Likewise, at the same time, I said unto the people that everyone with his servants lodge within Jerusalem, and in, and in the night they may be a guard unto us and labor on the day. So we're basically saying all Jews come into Jerusalem at this point. You know, don't stay out there, and especially after they've already kind of been spies by warning them on it. He's saying, get, in, get into the town, get into the city. We will protect you. We will, we will kind of help you, help you uh, be protected. So that neither you, neither I, nor your brethren, nor your servants, nor your men, nor the guards which follow me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every man put them off for washing. So in other words, he said they always stayed prepared. They were always ready to serve. They were always ready to be able to go out and do what needed to be done. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come before you. We ask that you guide and lead us and give us strength to be prepared all the time. Help us keep clarity of mind to be prepared for our spiritual battles and wars. And we just thank you for all that you've done in your son's precious name. Amen.